Welcome to the teaching ministry of Bay Ridge Christian Church. This teaching is from the series Images of Christ. This series looks at the images of a man, a lion, an ox, and an eagle, and how they represent four aspects of Jesus Christ, the true human, king, servant, and God. I'm going to just chat for a, a couple of moments about what we've been talking about this per- whole time. And tonight what I really want to focus on is the beauty and glory of Christ uh, that has come to us as we've looked at all the various aspects of who Jesus is. And I'm going to just begin by reading in Revelation chapter 5, verses 13 and 14, um, which is kind of the, the theme that I want us to focus on just for a few minutes. In Revelation 5, 13 and 14, we read, Then I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and on the sea and all that is in them singing, to him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb be praise and honor and glory and power forever and ever. And the four living creatures said, Amen. And the elders fell down and worshiped. We've looked uh, throughout the, the last four weeks here at Advent, we've been looking at these symbols that, again, you know, I thank Cindy for the, the beautiful pictures that she had painted for us on these. And these symbols have been used throughout the history of the church. We oftentimes today don't think in terms of them. You know, Mark has brought in some of his old Bibles and kind of laid them out and shown that throughout the history of Christendom, people, when they would see a man and a lion and an ox and an eagle, they immediately knew that what was being represented was Jesus, uh, even more specifically the, the four Gospels that are about him. And tonight there's another symbol used, that one that I just read, which is that Jesus is the Lamb. When you read in the book of Revelation, whenever that's used, John doesn't have to translate. He knows that we're going to pick up that that is in fact Jesus Christ. And so what I want us to meditate and ask ourselves a question is, why are there so many different images of Jesus? Why not just one or two? Why are there so many of them? And then what would that have to do with Christmas Eve? Again, we've kind of looked throughout this series at these four, and I want to remind us of what it is. The the man represents that Jesus is the true human. He is truly and fully human. Whatever else we're going to celebrate on Christmas, it has to be that the one that we're talking about, Jesus, is truly and fully human. And that means he came and he fulfilled our responsibilities to God. The good news that he has obeyed in your place and mine. What we as humans owed to God, Jesus has done. And in fact, whatever debt we owed to God, whatever punishment was due us for not having done that, Jesus as the true human can fulfill that. But the second week we looked and saw that he's also the lion, which means he's the true king. And that's certainly includes him being the lion of the tribe of Judah, the king over Israel. But even more importantly, he fulfilled our call as human beings to rule over creation to the glory of God and for the good of God's people. That that other aspect of who we were called to be, that we were supposed to be God's vice regents in the universe, which we didn't do very well, this one who was going to come was going to fulfill that as well. And then thirdly, He's an ox. He's a true servant, uh, the true servant of God who gives himself in behalf of his people. You remember Jesus said, I'm not coming to be served like a king normally would, but in fact, I've come to serve and to give my life as a ransom for many. And then finally, 
as the eagle, Jesus is the true God, uh, that he's not a distant God, but he's a God who's actually come close to us. He took our flesh to redeem and reconcile us. And, and as I said yesterday, that's the fundamental fact about Jesus. Before he was the true man, he was the true God. Before he could even come and be king that we were called to be, he was the true God. Before he could come be the suffering servant, he was already God. He added those other things to himself without ceasing to be God. Now what's interesting in this is when you consider all of that together, we're seeing how Jesus brings together things that would seem to be almost contradictory to one another. And the amazing thing is in the book of Revelation, John, as he keeps worshiping Jesus, he, he sees this. Uh, if you remember, I mentioned a couple of weeks ago in, in Revelation chapter 5, one of the more interesting scriptures uh, in all the Bible, John has been weeping because there's some scrolls that can't get open. Nobody's worthy to open them, he's told. And then uh, in Revelation chapter 5, someone comes to him and says, Do not weep. See the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, he has triumphed, and he's able to open the scroll and its seven seals. And that wouldn't be shocking. We would expect, well, a lion is going to be able to conquer. But in the next verse, John turns around and he says, And then I saw a lamb looking as if it had been slain, standing in the center of the throne, encircled by the four living creatures and the elders. So John's told, look, you're going to see a conquering lion, but in fact when he turns around, what he sees is a lamb that was slain. It couldn't be any more different than what John was expecting to be and to see. But the amazing thing that I want you to consider is these four symbols that have been used throughout the history of the church, again, they can look almost contradictory. Is Jesus man or is he God? And the answer is yes, he's both. Is Jesus a conquering king, a lion, or is he a suffering servant, an ox? And the answer is yes. He is both. And in fact, he is all of those at the same time. And this is what should cause us to have a sense of awe and wonder. And if you consider throughout the Christmas story, some of the things that we take as we're just so used to hearing them, step back and think about them for a minute. Jesus is born to very poor parents. He's born to, uh, into a, a country of no consequence, to a couple of no consequence. When they get back to Bethlehem, they don't have any connections. There's nothing there. Everything about it says he's poor. And then we read that a bunch of rich magi show up and give him gifts of wealth there while he is still a young child. We're told in the scripture that he is Emmanuel, God with us. He is the mighty God in the passage that we started tonight off by reading. And then when you're told to go see the mighty God and you get to the manger, what do you actually see? A little baby who's wrapped up in cloths and he's crying and for all the world he looks like any other baby you have ever seen. It's a wild paradox. Consider what it is for Mary. Mary, that night, the night we're celebrating, she is taking and cradling her child in his arms, looking into his eyes, and realizing she's looking at her 
creator. That, that has to be a strange thought if you're a mom. But that is at the heart of the Christian story. The infinite God, who when Solomon built the glorious temple, said, heavens, all the heavens and all of earth can't contain you. But now we're being told, well, that whole God, the fullness of that God, is not only in a human being, he's in the little baby that is over there in the manger. All of these images and all of these paradoxes are necessary because Jesus' beauty and his glory is so great, there is no way one image can capture it. Even saying he's God doesn't fully capture who he is. Saying he's human doesn't capture who he is. Saying he's a king doesn't capture who he is. Saying he's a servant doesn't capture who he is. You need all of these images and even more because what images can adequately describe the glory of the creator who would condescend to become one of us? Who would come down to live among us and to walk with us? Words and images fail to contain the truth of who Jesus is and what he did for us. There, is, there are no words, there are no images that could adequately do it. So what I want to encourage us to do tonight is very, very simple. I want us to respond like they did in Scripture. When John gets his glimpse in heaven, and he's, you got to remember, this is John who's walked with Jesus for all these years. He's the disciple that Jesus loved. He, he knows him, but he's now seeing Jesus for who he really is. And in heaven, these mighty creatures that are around him, the angels that are around him, when this revelation happens in chapter 5 and they realize the lion is the lamb, here's what we read they do. In a loud voice they sang, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and praise. And then I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and on the sea and all that is in them singing to him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb be praise and honor and glory and power forever and ever. Two different ways we're told you could never worship enough. You could never be in enough awe. I counted them off if you notice. Power, wealth, wisdom, strength, honor, glory, and praise. That is seven different terms that are used to say they're worshiping. What, is, what does seven mean in Revelation? Even if you're not a Christian, you probably don't. That's the number of completeness, the number of fullness. John could keep piling up the words, but when he's given us seven of them, he's saying, you're getting the point. Every way anybody could possibly think of worshiping Jesus Christ who has come, you ought to do that. And then John goes on and says it's not only that every person is giving every type of praise they possibly can. He tells us it's every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and on the sea and every creature that's in them. John's running out of ways to tell us if you're a created being, you ought to be giving every type of worship and praise and honor and glory that you can come up with to this one. Because no matter what words you use, he's greater. No matter what image you can think of, he is more magnificent. No matter what metaphor would roll off your tongues or in your poetry or in your song, he exceeds even all of that.
So what I want to encourage us to do as a, as a congregation, as friends, is to meditate on all of this. You will never plumb the depths of who Jesus Christ is. I can assure you of that. No matter how long, I, I was talking about the other day, I realized this January is 41 years since I became a believer. And when I became a believer, immediately I had a hunger to get into God's word and start studying it and trying to know who Jesus is. And I'm 41 years in, and I feel like I know less now than I did then. I feel like the closer I get to God, the more incredible, the more amazing he is, the more I want to worship because I realize he is deeper and higher and broader and more magnificent than I can possibly fathom. And here's good news. We're actually going to go to heaven and do this forever. And we're never going to get tired of seeing and worshiping the great God that we understand. So I hope for you what's produced in all of this is awe that we express in worship to the beauty and glory of Jesus Christ. And then the last thing I encourage you to do is spread that to other people. And it ought to be a spreading of joy. Because there is nothing more magnificent than the God whom we worship, who has come to us. Because the amazing thing, which is the flip side of Christmas, is everything I just told you, this incredible God condescended to become just like you and I. And he did that because he considered relationship with you worth it. I have no idea why. I don't know why he considered us worth that. But he did, and he does. And so that's good news for all of us. So I hope it'll help every one of us think about this. As you go through tomorrow, spend some time and meditate on who Jesus is. Don't let the story, because it's old, dampen down your excitement for actually who he is and what he's done in our place. Lord, tonight we have retold the old story of the coming of our Lord Jesus. He came as light into our dark world and brought life and hope into our death and despair. We give you thanks for him and ask that you would send us forth full of the light and hope of the gospel. In Jesus' name, amen. May our Lord Jesus, the eternal God and King, who became human and servant, and who came to purchase people from every tribe and language and people and nation. May he receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and praise. And may his presence and blessing fill your lives with every good thing. Go forth blessed and be a blessing. Merry Christmas. Thank you for listening to the teaching ministry of Bay Ridge Christian Church. For more teachings and resources, please visit www.brcc.church.